I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. For the first time in nearly 30 years, there will soon be a new leader in Illinois' first congressional district. I'm Karen Norrington-Reeves. My name is Michael Thompson. Good evening, everyone. My name is Dr. Amina Matthews. Hello, my name is Jonathan Jackson. My name is Kirby Bergens. I am a candidate for U.S. Congress in Illinois' first congressional district. I am a science teacher, and I am the only openly gay candidate. This is a race with people who want to get in this race to serve and to see a change in our community, and I am certainly one of those. Because I think now is a, is a crossroad in our community. I'm running for Congress because if you were to look at headlines with respect to violence 20 years ago, they reflect exactly what we saw last week. I'm running for Congress because of the urgency of now. I have come to interrupt politics as usual in the first district. Just a few voices of the 21 candidates running to replace U.S. Representative Bobby Rush. Earlier this year, he announced that he won't seek re-election in the first congressional district, which encompasses Chicago's South Side and surrounding suburbs. Now there are 17 Democrats and four Republicans vying for the historic seat. Joining us to dig into this race is John Byrne, City Hall reporter for the Chicago Tribune. Welcome, John. Hi, how are you? Doing well. Thanks for being here. Also with us to weigh in is Laura Washington, ABC7 political analyst and Chicago Tribune columnist. Hey, Laura. Hey, Sasha. Good to be with you. So Bobby Rush is an institution in Congress, to say the least. He co-founded the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party. He went on to run for U.S. representative, and he's remained in office, as we said, for nearly three decades. Big shoes to fill. So, John, talk a little bit more about his legacy and how that's impacting this race. Well, when, you know, when, as you said, when, when he first won back in 92 and took the seat in 93, it was kind of this, you know, seismic moment that a, that a guy with such a radical background was, was able to win it. And, and in the decades since he has turned into kind of a, an elder statesman, I mean, he's, he's often, you know, I think he struggles with that, you know, given, given his background, but he's certainly become uh, a guy who, you know, pushed back and defeated uh, a young Barack Obama when Obama challenged him for the seat and his, has held the seat and, and looked to be unbeatable uh, for, for an awful long time. Yeah. Laura, the seat's also famous for its uh, political importance to African-Americans. So what has Congressman Rush meant to black Chicagoans over the years? Well, Congressman Rice represents, as you say, another political institution, and that's the first congressional district, which has a very rich and deep history. It was the first congressional district in the nation to be represented by an African-American when, when Oscar DePriest was uh, was uh, elected in 1929. And since that time, it's been held by an African-American. So there's, there's, a, there's a rich, deep history. Many people consider the first congressional district of Illinois as the, the black political capital of America. And Bobby Rush, in many ways, uh, represents, you know, there's a lot of diversity of political opinion and thought in that district, start, starting with Oscar DePriest. It was much more of a traditional Democratic Party uh, office holder, and certainly with William L. Dawson, who was a major political powerhouse if he followed him, um, where it was much more of a regular Democrat. Bobby Rush came in as a Black Panther. He came in as a radical. He came in as a, as a really staunch activist, although he did have uh, experience in the Chicago City Council as well, but he has mellowed over the years and has become more of a 
Democratic Party regular. He's, in fact, now the dean of the, of, of the congressional delegation in Illinois. And as John says, he does struggle with that because the, the progressive activism is still at the, at the roots of his, of his politics. So what's at stake here for voters, Laura? Well, what's at stake is power. Uh, this district is not going to change hands in, in the sense that it's not going to uh, be led by someone who is not an African-American, even though the district itself is only about half African-American now. So th- that will remain the same. It will be a Democrat. Um, there, there, as you point out, there are Republicans running and who will run against a nominee in the fall. But it's very unlikely that it would change hands in terms of changing parties. Uh, there's a lot of challenges and in, 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 in issues facing that district, as there are in many African-American districts across the country, particularly around economic development and jobs, uh, health care, uh, a big issue, is, of course, on the south side of Chicago is crime and gun control. And so those are all the issues that sort of are on, are on the table and usually are on the table mm-hmm. in, in, in every every district. Um, and, and, of course, the 17 Democrats, Democrats that are running to replace Bobby Rush, for the most part, agree on, on most of those issues. There's not a lot of disagreement or a lot of debate about what the concerns and challenges are. John, as, as Laura points out, this is historically a Democratic district. In fact, Republicans have not held this seat since 1934, but there are currently four Republicans who are running. So just tell us more about them and their odds of winning here. Um, their, their odds are, are, very, are very slim. Um, it's, it's, it's been drawn to, to be a, uh, a Democratic district by Democrats in Springfield who, who obviously want to press their uh, advantage um, to help the Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a Democratic district. There's no, there's no very there's very little doubt about about that. And, and as Laura pointed out, the even the Democrats, by and large, you know, they they agree on the on the, on the main issues. So it's a lot of big names, a lot of powerful Democrats who are getting into this, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. Whoever wins this is going to hold this thing probably for as long as she or he. Yeah. Wants. If the history of this district is is any indication, the, the the recent and farther back history, the winner of this uh, of this Democratic primary will be in a position to hold this for two terms or ten terms, yeah. whatever whatever is to his or her uh, preference. Let's dig into more about the candidates here. We've got some politicians running, like Alderwoman Pat Dowell of uh, Chicago's Third Ward, also Illinois State Senator Jacqueline Collins. How are they faring so far, John? Uh, well, Dowell, uh, if you remember, was running for Secretary of State, and when Bobby Rush dropped out, she, when he retired, she pivoted into this race. So she had kind of an advantage coming in in the sense that she already had kind of she was already in campaign mode. She was raising money for the other race, and now she's got it. There's this sort of cumbersome process by which you have to give the money back and have those people write you new checks into your new campaign apparatus to, to legally switch the money around. So she's been in the process of doing that, but was already sort of gearing up, uh, gearing up for this. And then, and then Senator Collins has, you know, this, this rich history in Springfield that she is running on and saying, look, I don't have to talk about theoretically my ability to go and get things done. Here are the things I've gotten done. Yeah. And this is the type of this is the type of work you can expect from me. I've shown that work in, in Springfield, Dowell says, 
I've shown that work in the city council. Of course, these are both bodies that are heavily, heavily democratic, right? Yeah. And they'll be going to a very different situation if they win and go to Washington, but they still both of them point to their ability to work with different types of people from different backgrounds and, and, and pass legislation. Yeah. And Laura, in the mix, we also have some activists in the running. Jonathan Jackson, who's the son of Reverend Jesse Jackson. Uh, we've got Jamal Cole in there, founder of the organization My Block, My Hood, My City. But uh, Bobby Rush endorsed Karen Norrington Reeves, who's the CEO of the Chicago Cook Workforce Partnership. Has his endorsement impacted the race at all? Like, are voters paying attention to that? I, th- I think that it's been a struggle for her because she is she was a virtually unknown name in politics, even though she had been working in government for a long time. And Bobby Rush's endorsements has some value. How much value we'll have to see. He's cut commercials for her. He's he's campaigned publicly for her. She's got a resume that would certainly put her in the ballpark of being someone who could be perceived as qualified, especially her her experience around economic development. But it's a struggle when you're running up against the names that we've just been discussing, longtime elected officials, longtime mm-hmm. activists who, who have brands. Uh, so one of the interesting things that Bobby Rush has emphasized is that one of the reasons he wants to support her is because she's a woman. We've never had a woman represent the first congressional district. There are a, a, a slew of them, you know, five or six or more of them running. Um, but that was one of the reasons that he spoke up on her behalf. And, you know, it, you, that might give her an advantage in some situations. But when you've got, you know, 17 people running and maybe almost half of them are women, I don't know that it's, it's going to necessarily help her that much. Mm. And is it just me? But I feel like I haven't seen any television ads for this race. I may have seen one billboard. How are they getting the word out? Well, it's expensive. For one thing, it's very expensive. Uh, there, uh, many of the candidates are doing digital ads and running them through social, their social media channels and on their websites. But to, but to be able to pay the, the the going rate for television ads, especially in a very crowded situation where we've got you know the governor's race, the secretary of state's race, we have many statewide and other congressional races that are competing for that airtime. That's that's a big challenge. If if a can, candidate raises several three four hundred thousand dollars in a congressional race on the South Side, that's that's significant money for the for a race like that. But it's not significant money to get on the air. So recently, a few of the Democratic candidates faced off in a forum that was organized by Indivisible Chicago South Side. And one of the issues raised was how candidates would respond to this rise in gun violence. Let's listen. It has to be moved on the federal level. 79% of the public agree that we should have common sense gun laws. That's what I will fight for. We need background checks. We need closing the loopholes. What will end gun violence is the creation of jobs and uh, generational wealth where people have money in their pocket and can feed their families. And until we do that, you know, just dealing with gun legislation is not enough. It all starts with the Voting Rights Act making sure people participate in local elections so that we can change state legislatures, then so ultimately change the makeup of Congress so we can get the votes we need to enact all these great things that have been discussed. That was Third Ward Alderwoman Pat Dowell, State Senator Jacqueline Collins of the 16th District, and business owner Jonathan Swain. So gun control is at the forefront of Chicagoans' minds for obvious reasons. Um, Can you talk about some of the other major issues important to voters, John? Um, It's health care. Uh, abortion rights and inflation uh, are the things that I kept hearing time and time again, right? Yeah. The the economy, the bread and butter stuff, healthcare costs. Um, and, 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 and one of the issues here, as, as you pointed out, is 
it's really hard to differentiate yourself when when there are 17 candidates you're appearing at forums they're appearing at these forums where there'll be like you know 14 or 15 other candidates on the stage mm-hmm. and they're all saying gun control is really important but it's like all right to to separate yourself out of a pack of this big a pack you've got to have some really specific dynamic ideas right. on how to do that right and so i think that maybe in the next few weeks if some of these candidates um, as Laura pointed out, like some of them might have the money to get on TV at the very end, and we may we may see some more specifics about this kind of stuff then. I don't know, but right now it's it, it is kind of a scrum with a lot of people yeah. making a lot of the same points about this. Stuff. Yeah, I was just saying, I just I just don't see them on my television. I was I was concerned. No. <laughs> uh, I, I, think, I think if you're in the district, you're probably getting lots of mailers. I don't live in I, I yeah. don't live in the first district. That's true. But, I think I think your 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 mailboxes are probably stuffed. They are. You know? They are. They are. Um, Laura, the the first congressional district originally included mostly Chicago's South Side. Now it encompasses both the city and some of its uh, surrounding suburbs. Um, with that latest congressional redistricting, so what are the issues you would say are important to suburban voters? Well, you know, I think I think that's interesting because I think that the issues that John just outlined are, are pretty much mirrored throughout Democratic districts. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just in Illinois, but throughout the country. And, of course, uh, this district now stretches out very far outside of the city as far as Bourbonnais, takes in a lot of the south suburbs. Uh, and, and so those communities may tend to be more middle class, but they are, but they're, those bread and butter issues, I think, are still front and center uh, for those communities. Uh, this, this district, even though it's a, seen as a held African-American district, ironically, is no longer really an African-American district if you look at the geography and the demographics. Yeah. And that's because there's been so much population loss among African-Americans and because of the political challenges that the map makers have in trying to keep it democratic in terms of how they draw the maps. Are the candidates doing anything to appeal to suburban voters? That's my, I think they are. I think that they, there have been a couple of forums out in the, out in the, out in the South suburbs and many of them, uh, as, as John pointed out, have constituencies that Jackie Collins of the world have his constituencies that reach beyond your your typical uh, African American district. So I think there's some of that. The, the other interesting thing is it's it's not going to take much to win this race. You know, you don't when you have that many people running, you don't have to get anywhere near the majority of the vote to get the nomination. You could maybe you could maybe eke out a win with as much, with as little as twenty percent or maybe even less of the vote because. Yeah. There are so many prominent names and so much competition. So a quick final thought from, from both of you. From your perspective, what will be the deciding factor of this race? You first, Laura. I think name recognition and prominence, because it's so crowded, because people aren't really paying close attention and won't, won't, won't be doing that until the very end. I think if you're already a, a household name because you're an elected official or because you, you've done other prominent things in the community, that's, that's a big upside. And then, again, the money. The person who can bring in the most money can get, get the opportunity maybe to get those late last-minute ads that John mentioned. Mm-hmm. John, what's it going to take to win here? Yeah, I think Laura hit the main points. And, and then on top of that, if a candidate can can organize some sort of a ground game at the end, mobilize supporters to hit doors in places like, you know, Bourbonnais and 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 some of these south suburban places where maybe they aren't as well known as, yeah. as in the city part of it, and be able to get on doorsteps and, and make cases to people, that can go a long way too. That's John Byrne, Chicago Tribune City Hall reporter, and Laura Washington, Chicago Tribune columnist and ABC7 political analyst. Thank you both.
Well, that's it for today's Reset. As midterm elections approach, we'll be keeping you up to date on the latest developments. So be sure to listen live at 11 every weekday on 91.5 FM or on the WBEZ app. Or catch us in the afternoons right here on your podcast feed. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thank you for listening. We'll meet you right back here tomorrow.